0: you turn your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, always an honor to uh, preach while pastors has gone, and uh, just makes you a little more appreciative when he is here. <laughs> and uh, so, thankful for that. Genesis chapter 2, and uh, we're just going to read one verse there, verse number 2, and it says, And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the time that we have to be in your house this morning. Lord, to fellowship with your people. Lord, to be encouraged. And uh, Lord, to uh, learn something from your word. Lord, most importantly, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would... Uh, just speak to each heart this morning, Lord, I pray that you would meet the needs uh, of each person here that's gathered, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here we um, are looking at uh, verse number two, it says, on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. Um, this is the seventh day, we call it seventh day of creation. Uh, we know on the uh, the first day of creation, God created; He made light. Second day, He God created the sky. Third day, dry land, seas, plants, and trees. Uh, fourth day, He made the sun, the moon, the stars. Fifth day, He made all the creatures that live in the sea and the creatures that fly. On the sixth day, He made animals that live on the land, and finally, humans. And those humans were made in his image, and he created those. And on the seventh day, he ended all the work, and he rested. Uh, there's a principle in the Bible called the principle of first mention. Uh, the first time in the Bible that a word shows up, um, the, the word or the phrase that appears in Scripture is most important the very first time that it shows up, because it establishes a precedent a pattern or a biblical concept that occurs throughout the rest of the Bible. So we see here the first time the word work appears in the Bible, it appears as a good thing. We see here that God works. Not everyone is a good worker. In my time as a boss, I've observed some people that don't have a lot of pride in their work, they cut corners. Uh, They don't complete their tasks, and they don't do a thorough job. And the outcome is something that um, is not something that is acceptable. But not with God. Um, There's a crazy theory out there called the theory of evolution, and it states that everything came from nothing, and that order came from chaos, which is totally absurd. David says it this way. He says, I praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You know, if you printed the human genome, which is your DNA, in a six-point font, and you create it, and you just put all those letters together, and at six-point, you'd have about 12 letters per inch. It would take... 250 million inches of information, which is about 4,000 miles of information at that font. Just the information that makes up your body. You know, and we're only one of the creatures that God made. When God worked, He put a lot of thought and effort into making something wonderful. You know, work is never a curse was not the curse that came with sin. Work is something that God designed to make life better. We all enjoy the things that come from work. We enjoy our phones. We enjoy our food. We enjoy our furry pets. Well, some do. We enjoy our fancy clothes. We enjoy our Fords. Well, maybe not the Fords. Unless you get a good one, which I'm not sure there. No, I won't get into that. Don't want to lose uh, some of you here. Uh, we all enjoy things that come from work. Someone had to put a lot of effort to make some and make some sacrifices so that we could enjoy the things that we enjoy. We enjoy a clean room. We enjoy a clock that tells the correct time. Those things don't just evolve. Uh, it was the labor of somebody that created those things. We see in our text that God worked, and as a result, we all enjoy the fruits of his labor. We enjoy the sunrise. We enjoy the sunsets. We enjoy the green grass and the white snow. We enjoy the beautiful mountains and the rivers and the trees. And these are all things that God created. We enjoy the fellowship of Of other people, and God created them too. Everything that we enjoy originated from the work of God. But we see not only did God work, but He also rested. Was it because God was tired? Was it because He ran out of ideas? Was it because he could no longer continue? No, I don't believe that. I believe that God enjoyed that seventh day. He made that day a special day. Verse number three, we read verse number two. Verse number three, it says, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now if we continue on, We're going to see what he was doing on the seventh day. It says, verse number five, And every plant of the field, before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field, before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden east of Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, I believe that on the seventh day, God was just enjoying the fruits of his labor. He was just looking at it and saying, man, you know what? I just like all these things that I've created. Have you ever worked on a project and then once you were done, you just spent some time with it? You know, whether that project was maybe making an ice rink. Um, I remember one time I tried making an ice rink and I just didn't have the, the smarts when it came to do it. I put it on a slanted a piece of ground, and tried to do some things that just didn't work. Uh, But you ever finish a project, and after that project, you just enjoyed that project? Uh, Maybe you bought a swing, and you assembled it, and you're kind of excited, and the kids are all excited, and, Dad, can you give me an underduck? And you're like, you're excited to finish that project because you want to see the fruits of that labor. You know, based on these verses, it doesn't appear that God was sleeping on the seventh day. I think he was just enjoying that. You know, God, after creating everything, he made man the master of his creation. He put Adam in charge of all these things that he had made. He made this beautiful earth, the solar system. He made all those things, and he said, Adam, this is yours. I want you to take care of it. And so he gave Adam some work. God first work, he showed it, He had a, gave him the example, he gave him the tools to do the work that he, um, to do the job that he gave him to do. And he said, Adam, I want you to not only keep it, but I want you actually to keep improving it. Make it even better than the way that I had created it. Verse number 15, it says, and God took man took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. You know, God had a plan for Adam's life. He had a job for him. He had a purpose for his existence. Adam wasn't designed just to be entertained and to be catered to. There was something for him to do. And what he did would not only affect him, but it would change the lives of those around him. Do you know that not only did God have work for Adam, but God has work for you and I, even here today? Uh, The title of today's message is Work Till Jesus Comes. We're going to look at uh, work today, and we're going to look at some aspects of work. first thing I want us to look at is work is required. It's a requirement for us. One person said, how long did John Smith work for you? A former employer was asked. Oh, about four hours, was the quick reply. Why, he told me he had been there for some time. Oh, yes, answered the gentleman. He was here for two years, but you didn't ask that. You asked how long he worked. (laughs) You know, many people, they quit looking for work as soon as they find a job. Second uh, Thessalonians 3, verse 10 says, For when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Paul here is writing to the church at Thessalonica and is telling them some hard truths. At least it was hard for some of those people who maybe have been lazy or unproductive. And he talks about this in the next verse. It says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, Working not at all, but are busybodies. Here it talks about someone who is not working. They don't roll up their sleeves. They don't try to make the burden lighter. They find every excuse to get out of work. But you know, it even gets worse. It says they're busybodies. They're busy causing trouble so that those that are working are not only doing it on their own, but they're trying to put out the fires that the busybodies are making all over the place. I think the, the people that would understand this the most would be moms. You know, maybe they're trying to get supper made and they're working and getting the laundry done and cleaning up the entrance. They're kind of, she's wanting to get everything ready for when dad gets home. And then she hears something that terrifies her. Silence. (laughs) And she's like, oh no, what are they into? And she finds them, and she finds her makeup all over the place. She finds it on her freshly washed blankets, and her room is a disaster. And while she's dealing with that, she smells this odor coming from the kitchen, and supper doesn't smell the same ways that it should, and... Her world comes apart, and her husband comes home. Hi, honey, what's for supper? And she's, of course, she loves her children. She realized that she needs to work and train with them. But those busy, busybodies, they added some burden to her <laughs> and uh, for her to try to get something done. Uh, I read some quotes here on, on laziness. It says, laziness is nothing more than the habit of resting before you get tired. Laziness is a secret ingredient that goes into failure, but it's only kept a secret from the person who fails. Inspiration is a guest that does not willingly visit the lazy. Lazy people tend not to take chances, but express themselves by tearing down others' work. Time is... A created thing. To say I don't have time is to say I don't want to. Last one here. God gives every bird its food, but he doesn't throw the food into the nest. We know we need to work, but there also needs to be a balance. Um, It didn't say that God worked for seven days and then he worked for another seven days work for another seven days, there was a balance. And uh, and so there was a time of rest. We know that Jesus, um, when he was tired, when he had worked, uh, he took some time to rest. You know, it's so easy to get focused on something that we lose out on things that are even more important. You know, I believe God wants us to have balance in our life. Yes, the Bible says that you need to supply for the needs of your family. We hear that in 1 Timothy 5.8. eight says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. But that's not the only purpose in life. Um, God has other requirements, and our first priority is to love the Lord God and to keep him the number one priority in our life. We read that in Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He later explains who the neighbor is. It's the person or the people that God has put in our life who are in need, like the man who was robbed and then beaten, whom the Samaritan helped. We need to have that right balance between work, serving God and others, and rest. Someone made the statement, you can't have everything that you want, but you can have the things that really matter to you. Uh, the The key is not to prioritize what is on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. Some people say that God is the most important thing in their life. Yet when God invites them to his house for a time of worship and learning and fellowship, they don't make that their number one priority you see someone's priority in their schedule. they saying that says, the bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. Another person said, time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have and only you can determine how you will spend it. Are you gonna spend your coin on pleasures and things that do not matter, or are you gonna spend it doing a work for God? The second point I want us to look at is, work should be relevant. Relevant or meaningful. I heard a story about a 19-year-old boy who was hired in a construction company. And this guy, he was highly motivated, and he wanted to get his Red Seal carpenter ticket. So on the first day of the job, the supervisor told him, here, I want you to carry all my stuff. And uh, they went to the job site, and he was carrying all the supervisor's stuff. And he said, here, hand me that tool, and clean up this mess. And and he thought, you know what? I got to start from the bottom. I don't mind. I don't mind working. I don't mind doing entry level work. Uh, I'll do whatever it takes. But he came in the next day, and uh, they told him that there was this room that was full of wood. And I want you to take all this wood, and I want you to take it all the way to the other side of this building. They are building a school at that time. And uh, so for eight hours, this young guy, he was taking these two-by-fours, two-by-sixes, and plywood, and taking them from one side of the school all the way to the other. It took him a full eight hours to do that job. And the guy was hustling. This guy, he, he was 19. He was going to show them, uh, you know what, I, I can do this. I can keep up with the best of you. And uh, the next day he woke up. Oh, man, was he ever sore from hauling all that wood. But you know what, he was excited. He went back to work. And uh, that day they said, uh, you know all that wood that you brought from that side of the, the school? I want you to take all that wood and bring it back to where you brought it from. Oh. He wasn't too happy about that, but he thought, well. Okay, so he went and did that for eight hours. He um brought all that wood back to the uh where it was um, brought from and he went home. He's kind of discouraged that day. Uh next day he comes into work and um and the guys are working, they're building. In fact they were building this floor, and uh, the floor, um they, they pretty much had this floor done. They had all the, the trusses in there and everything. And uh, there was a beam that was underneath that floor. And they built this floor on top of this beam. And they said to him, I said, uh, I don't know, this beam was like four or 500 pound beam. And they said, we need you to get that beam out of there. And he looks at it and he says, I can't do that. And he said, yeah, you can. And they left and went and did something else. And for over an hour, he struggled trying to get this beam out of there. And he's like, there's no way. That anybody can get this thing out of there. So he goes back to them, and he says, um, guys, I tried getting that beam out. It's not coming out of there. We've got to tear the floor apart. And they said, nope, there's a way of doing it. Go find it. So he goes back there, and he fights and fights. And he comes back, and they're all just laughing at him. And uh, he ended up uh, walking off the job that day, and four years later, he built a multi-million-dollar company, this young guy. But you know, sometimes the work that we do, we can work so hard, and it have no meaning, no relevance to it. I remember in school I wasn't the the most model student, if you want to say it that way. We had these things called demerits in our school, and if you got three of these in a day, then you got this thing called a detention. And a detention is where they would make you work, and they'd do things like washing the walls, Um, writing lines, raking leaves, those kind of things. To me, I wasn't really threatened by the jobs that they gave, although I didn't like to miss out on gym time, and I didn't like to miss out on ping pong. Um, The only thing I really feared about detentions was getting that detention slip to my parents for them to sign it, (laughs) because I knew I was in trouble. Uh, But one time, they must have run out of jobs for me, because I'd gotten so many of these things. That they gave me this uh, tin, bucket, tin um, five-gallon pail, and they said, uh, Jeff, we need you to take all those rocks from over here, and I want you to move it all the way to the other side of the yard. And uh, so he put the rocks in the, the bucket, walk to the other side of the yard, dump it, come back, get another bucket. And uh, so I'm out there doing that, filling my time, and uh, while I was doing that, I saw some teachers and the principal looking through the window at me, and I can just imagine they were getting a good laugh because they knew that after I brought them all there, I'd have to bring them all back. <laughs> um, you know, I was not the the best student. Uh, I was kind of a slow learner. I, I should have learned to follow the rules because I could have been much more productive with the time that I had. Um, maybe I could have learned some English, although at the time I'd have rather carried rocks. <laughs> But um, do you know that God has required, requires us that we work, but that we don't spend all our time on things that don't matter? You know, there's a saying that says, no one on his deathbed has ever said, I wish I spent more time at the office. Yeah, I wish I would listen to this quote when I was younger. If you want your children to turn out, spend twice as much time with them and half as much money. You know, I'm afraid that work is a cop-out for many to get out of a responsibility either to God, to family, to friends. They get too busy to read their Bibles and pray. They're too busy to be at church three times a week. They're too busy to spend time with their family and friends. I believe that we all have enough time for the things that are most important to us. I know that at times there's no other options. You just need to put your head down and keep going because you're needed at the moment. We used to. I used to I grew up on a farm and uh, we had harvest time. And it was a time when uh, we needed to get the crop inside the bin. And there was days that you had to be up at five in the morning and you worked till one o'clock in the morning just to do it again the next day because the weather or the machinery was breaking down. And by the end of harvest, you were exhausted physically, mentally, spiritually, and you needed a rest. We know the harvest only came once a year. We didn't harvest 12 months of the year. So our work needs to be relevant. It needs to be meaningful. We need to focus our energies on the things of value. Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. I won't get you to turn to many places because I've got a lot of notes here and I want to make sure we're done on time. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is speaking here. This is a passage where maybe Jesus isn't the most kind preaching. This is probably not going to be the kindest preaching you're going to find from Jesus, but uh, there's some profound things that he teaches in here. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cummin." and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the others undone. There's a phrase in there that he says, it says, weightier matters. There are some things that just have more weight to them than others. It's not that the other things aren't important but there's some things that elevate the importance above some of those other things that life. Again, I'll give you an illustration here. Let's say that um, there's a mother that has two young children. Their ages are five and six years old. She has taken them home from a long day of shopping. They're hungry, they're tired, and so you get home And they both jump out of the car, and the five-year-old slips on the ice and falls right into a big, fluffy snowbank. They got snow up their sleeve, they got snow in their face, and immediately they start crying. At the same time, the six-year-old is getting out of the vehicle, and the six-year-old slams the, the car door shut but is holding onto his car door and slams his finger inside the door. Now you have to make a decision. Are you going to get that five-year-old out of the snowbank and then go open the door to release the fingers of the six-year-old? Or are you going to open the door and then grab the five-year-old? Which, which situation will you give the most weight? They're both important and need to get done. But one takes precedent over the other. There's some very weighty things in life. The weightiest things in life have the biggest consequences. The biggest consequences that anyone's going to face is an eternity in hell. A place of torment, a place of loneliness place of remembering there's going to be no parties in hell it'll be the worst place and there is no escape ever yet many are going to go there because no one cared enough about them to tell them of a savior who paid for their sins so that they would never have to spend a moment there someone who would tell them that they could have their sins forgiven and that it was a free gift. It cost Jesus a cruel death on the cross. But you know it's going to take you some work to get that message to those people. It's a wonderful story. It's wonderful news. But they aren't going to hear it from an angel. They're not going to hear it from this world You and I need to tell them. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news that they can go to heaven if they would just put their trust in Jesus Christ. To every creature. That's our responsibility. You know, my dad might say, The grass needs mowing. And I could think of it as, Oh, that's a good observation. (laughs) Or I could say, is he trying to hint something? But if he said, Jeff, go cut the grass, I better go and do it. Here God says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't just say that to the preachers. He didn't just say that uh, to the apostles. This was a commandment for everyone. In uh, Matthew chapter 21, it says, But what think ye, a certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he said, I will not. But after he, afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise, and he sa- answered him and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether the twain did the will of his father. And they said unto him, The first. She said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Here we have two sons. They were both told to go and do it. And the first one rebelled and then had a change of mind and did what his father told him to do. The second son, you can look at it in two ways. There's two ways that at least I could see it. The first way you could see, he was not against what his dad told him to do. It wasn't that he was like, no, I don't want to do that. In fact, maybe he wanted to do that. But then he got distracted and ended up forgetting all about it and ended up not doing that. Or you can look at it the other way, where he said he told his dad that he would do it knowing that he would not and just went and did his own thing. Either way, you can look at it, he didn't do what he was commanded to do. Make sure that the work that you do is relevant and not meaningless. There are many priorities in life. God, family, employment, helping those in need, Just remember the one commodity that you have in a limited amount is time. Use your time, do not neglect the weightier matters in life. Number three, work can be rigorous. Rigorous can be difficult, it can be challenging. Someone said, the most difficult task in life is to resist laziness. All of us like to take the easiest route. Acts chapter 15 verse 38 says, but Paul thought not good to take him, that is John Mark, with them who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. I think you're familiar with this, but this is the story of Paul and Barnabas, who were missionaries and church planters. And they had gone on a missionary journey previously and brought along John Mark. They made it as far as Pamphylia and then he quit. You know, I imagine that he thought that this would be an adventure of a lifetime. He was able to go and see the world and experience things. You know, I've not done a lot of traveling, but I've done enough to know that I don't really enjoy it. Um, I don't enjoy waiting in airports, traffic, and trying to deal with things that um, are different than the way we do things here. But one of my boys was going to Florida, and he was so excited as any young person would be get to go out to Florida, and we talked about traveling. He said, man, Dad, I love to travel. I love being in airports and exploring the world. Well, that time, he was flown to Toronto. (laughs) Need I say more? (laughs) And uh, he ended up spending the night at the airport. And by the time he came back and finished that trip, he wasn't quite as excited about traveling as he had previous to that. It wasn't quite as fun as he maybe imagined it to be. You know, I think this is kind of where John Mark is at. He probably came to that realization and decided he was done. And he just wanted to go back home. He thought it'd be easy to go on this trip. And it turned out to be hard. He thought he'd be well taken care of. And he found that not only was he not taken care of, but he was expected to take care of others. His money probably ran out. His patience ran out. And he ran away. You know, fortunately, he learned from this experience and ended up doing some great things for God. We have a book in the Bible from him. You know, we don't have a book from Silas, and we don't have a book from Barnabas, and we don't have a book from many of those other people, but we do have one from Mark. And so he definitely learned his lesson from there, and he didn't give up. But sometimes the work that is of weightier matter is rigorous. It is difficult, so we decide that we're going to keep ourselves busy with less difficult work. Instead of putting our head down and asking God for the strength to make it like John Mark should have done, we quit and we find other things to do. Oh, it's not that we're being lazy, it's not that we're not busy. It's just that we're not busy doing maybe what we should be doing. The work of God is the heaviest weight. How can you let someone go to hell because you're busy with fixing your lawnmower, especially in the winter time? You don't go soul winning because you're tired. You don't have time to read your Bible and pray because you stayed up playing on your phone or you woke up late now and have to be at work. There are many works that we can be involved in. Do you know that prayer can be work? Do you know it takes work to pray? You know, we learned about Jesus. He spent a lot of time in prayer. It wasn't an easy time. We uh, learn of a time when he went up to the Mount of Olives to pray. In uh, Luke chapter 22, it says, And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was without, withdrawn from them but a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. You know, sometimes when you pray, God will strengthen you spiritually. He will help you. It says, and being in agony, agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You know, our work, it can be physical. It can be mental. And it can be spiritual. But our work accomplishes something. Get something done for Jesus. You say, well, I can't lift this, and I can't do some of the things that I used to do. You know, I believe there's so, something that everybody can do. God didn't, God designed you to work. He designed you to accomplish something. Can you pray? Can you do what God has laid on your heart? Because God has laid something on your heart. Maybe you're not listening to whatever God is laying on your heart. Maybe it's time that we just take some time and listen for God. God, what would you like for me to do? An overworked mother of three active young boys was playing in the yard with her boys one afternoon. When her neighbor came by to borrow a cup of sugar, one of her boys aimed his play pistol at his mother and yelled, bang, you're dead. The mother acted the part perfectly. She took the shot and fell to the ground. When she fell to the ground, she did not get up. Her neighbor waited for her to get up, but she did not get up, so the concerned neighbor rushed over to see if she was hurt from the fall. As the neighbor bent over, the mother opened one eye and whispered, Shh, please don't give me away. This is the only chance I ever have to get a rest. (laughs) Point number four. Work has a rapid deadline. I'm going with ours today. Rapid deadline. Do you know that we only have a limited amount of time to work? Jesus says in John 9 verse 4, it says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. You know, you... Don't just have time on your side. Well, I'll do it later. He says, Jesus says, I must work. I, I need, I, time is slipping away on me. I've got to make this time count. He's talking about the precious time that he has been given, and he didn't want to waste it. He wanted to accomplish something. He wanted to use his time to make a difference in the lives of others. Someone said, time is currency. Spend it wisely, because once it's gone, there's no refund. Another person said, time is your canvas. Paint it with purpose before the brush of opportunity dries. A fishing boat sank in the rough, cold waters off of Vancouver Island, leaving two men in a life raft, "'tied to the sinking boat by a nylon rope. "'Neither men had a knife to cut the rope, "'and had the ship sunk, "'they would have pulled the boat and the men down with it. "'For an hour, the two men alternately altered chewing the rope.' Minutes before the ship sank, the men finally chewed through the rope and they survived. Do you know that there's going to be a time when you cannot no longer do any more work? You have a limited amount of time. Don't waste it. John 4.35 says, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. You know, once the fields are white already to harvest, I know from a farmer's standpoint, there's a race. There's a race to get that crop into the bend before it's too late. What you get, you get. What you don't is lost forever. You know, each of us knows people in our lives that need to hear the gospel or they need to hear it again. This message should be a reminder. It should be convicting. We cannot keep putting it off. If we put it off, we will either lose the conviction in our heart or we're going to, or it's going to be too late. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to share the good news with them. Pray for boldness. Come to the soul-winning outreaches. Talk to your pastor or a close spiritual friend that they would pray with you. Don't put off the work. Last point here is, Work is rewarding. Second Chronicles 15 verse 7 says, Be strong, therefore, and let your work your hands let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. The best part of work is the reward. You know, I, I do like my job, but if at the end of the day there was no paycheck, I probably would find something more rewarding to do. You know, I've been part of many ventures. Um, I've worked very hard at some of these ventures, and to be honest, they flopped. I remember mo- moving to Montreal to sell jewelry, and in the process, I lost money, I sacrificed, I worked, but for no profit. I came back broke. There was no reward. You know, since then, I've tried other ventures that did not make any reward. I've only lost on those ventures. But Proverbs 11, verse 18 says, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. I like that. I like it when There's a guarantee. I put the effort in, I'm going to get the results. Not everything in life has that sure reward. I'm glad that I've invested in some work where I'm guaranteed a reward for the work. Hebrews 6, verse 10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. If you have given of the fruits of your labor into missions and into the ministries of the church and into your family and to others in need, those are labors or work that will be rewarded. You know, there's many scam artists out there and they say, well, if you'll just do this and give us this money or just pay the postage of <laughs> uh, this, we're going to send you all this and there's going to be a big reward for that. And all they are is scams and they give you nothing in return. God is not like that. Revelations 22, verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. God is coming with rewards. He's not short on it. He's not going to renege on it. He is going to reward those that work. God is watching us. He sees the work that we do for Him. He is pleased when we're about His business. When you do the work of prayer... And of provision and of preparing to minister to the needs of others. He sees your effort and he sees your eagerness and he sees your excitement. He is a God who loves to reward his faithful servants who do the work. Do you want to please him today? Do you hear the Holy Spirit calling you to a work? Something that he has planned for you. I believe everyone in this room here has something that God wants you to do. A work that he has prepared for you. You have to be willing in conclusion, the message today is work till Jesus comes. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep going. You say, Brother Weave, I'm discouraged. I'm tired. Everybody gets discouraged. Everybody gets tired. That's why you need to keep coming to church. You keep reading your Bible. You got to continue to have a walk with God. He'll give you the energy that you need to do what he's called you to do. We learn that work is required. Nobody is exempt from work. Although every one of us has a different task that God requires from us. We learn that work should be relevant. It should be meaningful. You can work really hard at things that don't matter in life. We learn work can be rigorous, it can be difficult. You know, things that are worthwhile often come with a price. Work has a rapid deadline. You only have one life and you cannot get back time that you lost. So what are you gonna do with the rest of the time that you have left? Lastly, we see that work is rewarding. We serve a wonderful God who will reward you for the work that you do for Him. Any work that you did for God will be repaid many times over. And the treasures that you lay up will never rust, they will never be robbed or reduced in value.